It's not unusual to find plenty of wine caves and wine cellars in wine country. What is unusual is discovering a sophisticated broadcast facility inside these well-protected and often top-secret chambers. But maybe it really isn't that surprising that America's number one wine broadcast originates from the soul of wine country. And it is our great privilege to do all we can to inspire you. If you drink wine simply because, well, it's a drink, we've got our work cut out. For literally thousands of years, wine has fueled celebrations, ended conflicts, and provided the ultimate connection between one human being and another. It makes food taste better, lifts spirits, sparks our imagination, and beckons us to slow down and love life. If that all sounds good to you, you're in the right place. So sit back, clear your head, put any worries you have on hold, and join us as we go in search of this week's Grape Encounter. But be warned, we speak a much different language than what you typically experience in most wine-centric environments. But you didn't come here because you're ordinary, did you? Good, because your host, David Wilson, is here to take you far, far away from the beaten path. Here's David. It was supposed to be a terrific week, one that I've really looked forward to. But sadly, in this very unpredictable and often cruel period we're all trying to navigate through, circumstances can change in an instant. Last Saturday night, I was packed and ready to head up to Napa and Sonoma for some exciting interviews, which included incomparable chef Charlie Palmer. But then came fire again. What the people of Napa, Sonoma, actually most of California, Oregon, really the entire West have endured would have been inconceivable just five years ago. But everything seems to have changed, and the loss of life, property, and livelihood is far greater than most of us can wrap our arms around. For me, the loss is deeply personal. I know many of the victims, amazing people, decent, hardworking, remarkably creative, people who would do anything for anybody. And it hurts just to think about it. Twice in recent history, I've lived in neighborhoods where literally hundreds of my friends and neighbors lost everything. Twice, I was remarkably fortunate and spared by a matter of just a few feet. Anyway, I have done this show for a dozen years, and it's always my intent to bring you stories and offer information that'll put a smile on your face and hopefully make your life a little bit better. But it would be wrong to ignore the incomprehensible loss and destruction. So I will always endeavor to include those stories in our conversations. After all, the greatest American victories have generally come at a cost. And perseverance and determination to overcome all obstacles is part of our DNA. Now, with all that being said, we'll try to strike a balance for the next hour. We're going to share what we know about the terrible destruction that continues as we speak. But we'll also spend some quality time in a happier space because balance is more important than ever right now. And I want to tell you that I'm so glad you're here with us, because what we do here is share a bottle of wine together, get to know and understand one another better, find common bonds, and look beyond politics or anything else that divides us. So yes, it's been a terrible and strange week, and we'll tell you what we know, where wine is concerned, and we'll also lighten things up. And who better to help me navigate such diverse terrain than my dear friend Wes Hagen, a remarkable winemaker, wine educator, judge, author, and so much more. Wes, I have never been so glad to have you on the show. It has been a week, 
And you and I have many friends who suffered mightily this week. No, there's no doubt it's been a tough week for everyone. Between the fires, between unrest, between everything else. I mean, NFL might be having some problems. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to feel a little down today. But, you know, one thing you can always count on is I am an eternal optimist. I believe we're living in the greatest moment in history. No, I gotcha. But it's really hard to be the bluebird of happiness when there is just so much damage, so much suffering that's going on in Northern California's wine country. It's so devastating. I just can't even wrap my arms around it. I was up there, what what was it, five weeks ago when the first big fire started up there. I watched it explode from lightning. And then I was supposed to be up there on Monday and Tuesday. And I just decided to not go because I did not want to get in the way of people and certainly not to take a hotel room from somebody who has to be evacuated. But now that some of the soot has lifted, the damage is extraordinary. Wes, any thoughts, uh, just overview thoughts, first of all? My family's been in California for almost four generations. You know, The fact that we have CAL FIRE, the greatest firefighting organization on the planet Earth, first of all, cannot be overstated how important that is. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. How amazingly heroic these folks are. Both uh, of my uh, uncles own cabins up in Northern California, Shaver Lake and Silver Lake. And both of their houses were completely surrounded and everything was devastated. You look at their houses. They went up just this week to see if their houses were gone. They took a picture of the house and all there's left is the house and a defensible space around it. The fact that Cal Fire has saved so many lives, so many properties. And the fact is, is when we see something like Meadowood burning, we go, oh my gosh, it is stunning because of how few of these burning buildings we see in California, even in these amazing fires. So I think the first thing, and this to me is optimistic, is to just thank every single firefighter that has been part of the glass fire and all the fires all over Napa, Sonoma, doing everything they can. And also, as Cal Fire found out just a couple of years ago, what a wonderful fire break vineyards actually are. The fires were so gnarly this time that it actually burned some vineyards against what you would learn from a movie like, you know, Walk in the Clouds. Vineyards don't burn. They are very, very difficult to burn. And if you are in a vineyard and the last thing you do leaving a fire is you turn on your sprinklers, you turn on your drip emitters, you walk away, you have one of the most defensible spaces that you can imagine. So those folks that are saying, hey, don't plant any more vineyards, they should actually take into consideration just what a wonderful fire break vineyards can be. And by by the way, you mentioned to walk in the clouds. If you just want to be cheered up a bit, just watch the last scene of that movie where Keanu Reeves pulls out this gnarly old grapevine out of this completely burned out vineyard, which doesn't happen. It isn't true. He holds it up in the air the vine and he declares that they will rebuild because they've got this rootstock here that they can, you know, meanwhile, he's ripped it out of the ground, I might add. He was also using gossamer wings to stop the frost. Give Keanu Reeves, one of those first films, like Bill and Ted's, gave us dude culture. Then he was on, what, uh, Point Break, which gave us extreme sports. Then he gave us The Matrix, which basically, even though it was an allegory for basically gender reassignment, It was really about the internet and everything else. Keanu Reeves basically took from John Travolta running uh, literally popular culture since the 70s from the sweat hogs right to to disco. What are you just a big Keanu Reeves fan or something? I'm just saying John Travolta and Keanu Reeves have dictated popular culture for the last 50 years. I'll cap that 
part of the conversation by saying, I have often said that that scene in A Walk in the Clouds is the single corniest scene in wine movie history, bar none, when I see it. But it's actually a pretty movie otherwise, cinematography-wise, pretty nice to look at. So, but there's well, a- it's, also, it's also a beautiful indictment of normal wine movies not to include Hispanic cultures in the ongoing story of Napa wine. And the fact that the family that he marries into or he attempts to marry into is landed Mexican gentry in Napa tells a story that's not told all that, yeah. all, all that often. That is a very good point. But you know what's kind of interesting? On the flip side, you go to Bottle Shock, which incorrectly tells the story of the Judgment of Paris and replaces Croatian-turned-American Mike Gergich with a Hispanic character. So just the opposite, right? And Mike wouldn't approve letting them use his name or image in that because the story in his mind was totally inaccurate and he didn't want to be associated with that. So they came up with this other character. I'm okay with that, but I really resent the mistelling of the most significant moment in American wine history. I wish somebody would come along and redo. Uh, they will. A, no, Judgment, a, Judgment of Paris is already in production. It's already going to be reproduced. Uh, are you, are you serious? No, you... I'm almost positive I read that. Where I was just talking to someone about that, and I'm almost sure that the movie is being redone. We have to take a break, but I, I will tell you this before we do that, that after Mike Gergich's possession, some of them were put in the Smithsonian. Mm-hmm. I was invited by the Smithsonian to go up there and do a story and I got to go into the Smithsonian before they open in the morning, stand in front of that really cool wine exhibit in the Smithsonian, do one show, and then move over to the Julia Child's Kitchen in the Smithsonian and do another show. Isn't that cool? That's awesome. I'll yeah, tell you my really. Julia Child story later. All right. Okay. We're going to be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. My bud, he's a winemaker. He's a renaissance man. He's a writer. He's a teacher. He roasts his own coffee beans, churns his own butter. You name it. Wes does it. But he also is head of winemaking for Jay Wilkes and works in a larger capacity with the Miller Family Wines. We'll talk about that more in a minute. Okay, Wes? Sounds great. Okie dokie. Back with more Grape Encounters right after this. Many wine enthusiasts describe wine as a kind of time machine that can transport you to the place and time it was created without leaving home. Whether you're sipping a Sangiovese from Italy or a German Riesling, tasting is traveling. That being said, Total Wine & More is like the world's biggest airport. With more than 8,000 wines from every corner of the world in their stores, you can be incredibly adventurous and savor every journey. Plus, you can do all of your shopping online at TotalWine.com and pick up your order at your local store or curbside for the ultimate in safe shopping. There's always more in store at Total Wine and More. In Greek mythology, we learn the mysterious connection between walnuts and wine. When Dionysus, the god of wine, fell in love with Princess Caria of Laconia, Her sisters tried to prevent the romance, so Dionysus turned them into rocks. He also turned his beloved Garya into a walnut tree. She was, after all, a hard nut to crack. At mmorganics.com in Paso Robles, California, Walnuts and Wine is the ultimate love story. You'll flip over their 100% organic port-style dessert wines and organic heirloom walnut products, including sprouted snacking walnuts in five awesome flavors, irresistible raw organic walnut butter, free-trade chocolate-covered walnuts, 
And for bakers, MM Organics produces 100% gluten-free walnut flour, estate walnut oil, and of course, their crazy delicious raw walnuts. Get all their products online at mmorganics.com. That's mmorganics.com. Summer is here, invigorating our state of mind and sparking desires for things that complement our playful mood. Yep, our barbecues are already working overtime, cranking out slabs of baby backs that pair perfectly with light, crisp summer sippers. And if you need a little inspiration, check out the summer wine list that no one can resist. It's Total Wine & More's Top 12 Summer Wines, featuring a truly eclectic cross-section of wines, all under $20 and many under 10 Plus, Total Wine & More is offering summer wine bundles that save you up to $24 on a variety pack of wine. And now that we've all gotten into curbside buying, you can order online at TotalWine.com and pick up your order in the store or just outside for a contactless experience. The best lineup of super low-priced summer wines is just a click away at TotalWine.com. going to start out the week by putting together a really happy jolly show and then you know things just fall to pieces like i said i was on my way up to napa at the beginning of the week had to cancel it because once again fires ripping through that area and it was just like five or six weeks ago that that happened these people have suffered so badly my heart bleeds because i know so many of the people who've been affected up there we do have on wes hagan who is really a big kahuna down here on the central coast and everybody that's anybody knows wes because he is the go-to guy he's the smartest guy in the wine business i'm just gonna tell you that he's my friend never met daryl cordy uh, no, I'm not going to meet anybody that's smarter than you. That way I can always say you're the smartest guy in the wine business. But I don't mind that. But yeah, there are definitely, I just, uh, yeah, I just, I'm well, uh, I guess, I guess the media, the media has been good to me. And if I, uh, I, I, I consider myself very lucky if, uh, if David Wilson considers me a smart guy. Oh, so good Lord. You. Anyway, you are with the Miller family and they have several brands very well-known brands and you're also the winemaker at jay wilkes and it's good to have you back in winemaking because you had a little short hiatus correct okay. yeah i know um, the millers have been just absolutely wonderful to me and uh, i'm normally on the road 250 days out of the year basically going here there and everywhere from you know boston to san diego you know alaska to florida so, you know, being uh, home since March has been so wonderful and being able to have a real, some real roots and also being here for harvest. We're probably 60 to 70% through harvest this week in uh, between Paso Robles and Santa Maria on the Central Coast. So it really has given me an opportunity to have roots in the Central Coast again, where the last five years I've just been a road warrior. I, I do want to recognize some of the places that have really taken a hard hit. Uh, up north, uh, we've been much luckier here so far, but you know, you can't even say that because it's been so horrible. The fires get worse every year. And, you know, if you don't believe in global warming, well, I, I don't know what to say. 
But anyway, uh, some of the places that really uh, were damaged badly, Fairwinds Estate Winery had uh, really significant damage. Davis Winery, they um, had a lot of damage around the winery itself, but the winery uh, was, was saved, actually. A really iconic winery up there, Chateau Boswell, completely burned to the ground, I believe. And then one of the most visited properties in all of Napa and Sonoma is Castella de Amorosa. And it's this beautiful castle. It is authentic in every way. So much of the material was actually brought here and salvaged from old castles in Europe. Uh, But unfortunately, there was one structure that had a lot of wood and it burned as well. There's a a lot of damage there. It's just – and then we – oh, we mentioned Meadowwood, which is just the most beautiful resort and golf course. It's just astonishing. Uh, Their restaurant building, which is a complex of restaurants and they think golf club and other things, that burnt down. Calistoga Ranch was badly damaged and uh, Burgess Cellars was completely destroyed. So, I mean, it's terrible. And there's a lot more, Wes, than that. So they'll be, you know what, they'll they'll rebuild, right? That's it. Well, we hope. And, you know, it's a little bit different. You know, I would say sometimes in, in the last time we had the Napa fires, I felt maybe that there was an inclination for the general public not to show as much sort of um, an outpouring of care and empathy because these are just like rich people who own wineries and vineyards. But you got to remember, Some of these people were industry leaders that were responsible for hundreds and thousands of jobs within California. And then they took the money that they made and they went up to Napa. So hopefully they were insured. Hopefully they still have enough money to redo. They, you know, we like to say that, you know, making a fortune in the wine business, you have to, you know, you start with a large fortune, you end up with a small fortune. It's kind of a way to spend money. So we hope that this isn't uh, this doesn't stop those wonderful iconic brands that you mentioned from stopping. Hopefully, it will allow them to build a better cellar with better drains, better technology, better ozone machines. The best thing you can say is everything you've learned up to now will help you rebuild smarter. It'll help you have more defensible space. It'll help you use materials that will be safer in a fire. One reason why Napa is so beautiful to visit is because it's completely surrounded by forests. It's gorgeous. But those are the forests that also can burn. In the Central Coast, we're a little more protected because we have these sort of chaparral hills that do burn, but they just don't burn with the same type of intensity as yeah, some of those pine that is That is very true. All right. Well, it's an awful, awful thing. And I know that everybody will come together and, and find ways to get everybody back up on their feet again. The, the wine industry, there's one thing I can say about this industry, and I've been in other industries. I've never seen an industry where the people support one another more than this industry. It's, I mean, even to the point of giving people grapes if their grapes were destroyed in the harvest so that they can make some wine. There's just an incredible amount of kindness, whether it's a big producer or a small producer. There's just a lot of camaraderie there. The people that depend on a salary from the wine business have decided to be in the wine business, not for economic gain. We could be a stainless welder and make twice as much as being a winemaker. So being a winemaker is a lot like being a teacher. You do it because you're passionate about it. You do it because it's something that you think is authentic, that changes the world in little ways when people open a delicious bottle of wine that you grew or you made. It's a beautiful thing, right? So here we are in this moment where we have to just sort of ask ourselves, 
aren't we lucky to be in an industry where we're here because we want to be? And that's what I was always amazed too in Santa Barbara wine. If our filter broke down, our next door neighbor would be like, you want to use our filter? Our tractor got stuck. Well, my neighbor, the Melvilles came over and tried to pull our tractors out and got their tractor stuck. And we called <laughs> yeah. Abcock, who brought over his tractor, got the Melville tractor, and then got our tractor out. So it's not only can you help a neighbor, but can you help a neighbor help a neighbor? And this and is the way beautiful. the world's supposed to work. And there's a little bit about this agricultural idea of being a farmer, squatting on your hands and talking across fences about the, about the year, the vintage, the bugs, the squirrels, all the different differences and difficulties. And being an agricultural community gives us kindness and a support and cementing together that we're all in this together. So I want to say to all of our friends in Napa, Sonoma, anything that we can do for you guys down here in, in Santa Barbara and, and Paso on the Central Coast, please reach out because we're, we're here to support you guys as well. All right. Listen, Wes, we're going to take a break. And then for the second half of the show, we're going to talk nothing but happy thoughts, right? And you're prepared to do that. I'm getting a drink. <laughs> that wasn't what I meant. But anyway, no, but I'm just I'm just saying. Well, I'm I'm drinking right now. I'm I'm drinking a citrus and green tea thing with no calories and no alcohol. You can't drink and drive an edit board. You can't. Do well, that. Fortunately, it's pretty easy to be a guest and do that. Yeah, it's true. Okay, well, uh -oh. we're going to be back with Wes Hagen in just a second with more grape encounters, and then I've got just some fun stuff for you. We're just going to just have fun because. Everybody's so bummed out. It seems like everywhere I go, everybody's just kind of in a bad mood. <laughs> it's like we got to get over this, gang. We're gonna we're gonna get happy again, and, and we'll start here. So we can do that best with the help of my friend Wes, and that's what we will do. We like to talk about wine. going to start out the week by putting together a really happy jolly show and then you know things just fall to pieces like i said i was on my way up to napa at the beginning of the week had to cancel it because once again fires ripping through that area and it was just like five or six weeks ago that that happened these people have suffered so badly my heart bleeds because i know so many of the people who've been affected up there we do have on wes hagan who is really a big kahuna down here on the central coast and everybody that's anybody knows wes because he is the go-to guy he's the smartest guy in the wine business i'm just gonna tell you that he's my friend never met daryl cordy uh, no, I'm not going to meet anybody that's smarter than you. That way I can always say you're the smartest guy in the wine business. But I don't mind that. But yeah, there are definitely, I just, uh, yeah, I just, I'm well, uh, I guess, I guess the media, the media has been good to me. And if I, uh, I, I consider myself very lucky if, uh, if David Wilson considers me a smart guy. Oh, so good Lord. You. Anyway, you are with the Miller family and they have several brands very well-known brands and you're also the winemaker at jay wilkes and it's good to have you back in winemaking because you had a little short hiatus correct okay. yeah no uh, the millers have been just absolutely wonderful to me and uh, i'm normally on the road 250 days out of the year 
basically going here, there, and everywhere from, you know, Boston to San Diego, you know, Alaska to Florida. So, you know, being uh, home since March has been so wonderful and being able to have a real, some real roots and also being here for harvest. We're probably 60 to 70% through harvest this week in uh, between Paso Robles and Santa Maria on the Central Coast. So it really has given me an opportunity to have roots in the Central Coast again, where the last five years I've just been a road warrior. I do want to recognize some of the places that have really taken a hard hit. Uh, up north, uh, we've been much luckier here so far, but you know, you can't even say that because it's been so horrible. The fires get worse every year. And, you know, if you don't believe in global warming, well, I, I don't know what to say. But anyway, uh, some of the places that really uh, were damaged badly Fairwinds Estate Winery had uh, really significant damage, Davis Winery, they, um, had a lot of damage around the winery itself, but the winery uh, was was saved, actually. A really iconic winery up there, Chateau Boswell, completely burned to the ground, I believe. And then one of the most visited properties in all of Napa and Sonoma is Castella de Amorosa. And it's this beautiful castle. It is authentic in every way. So much of the material was actually brought here and salvaged from old castles in Europe. Uh, But unfortunately, there was one structure that had a lot of wood and it burned as well. There's a a lot of damage there. It's just, uh, and then we, oh, we mentioned Meadowwood, which is just the most beautiful resort and golf course. It's just astonishing. Uh, Their restaurant building, which is a complex of restaurants and they think golf club and other things, that burnt down. Calistoga Ranch was badly damaged, and uh, Burgess Cellars uh, was completely destroyed. So, I mean, it's terrible. And there's a lot more, Wes, than that. So they'll be, you know what, they'll they'll rebuild, right? That's it. Well, we hope, and, you know, it's a little bit different. You know, I would say sometimes in, in the last time we had the Napa fires, I felt maybe that there was an inclination for the general public not to show as much sort of um, – an outpouring of care and empathy because these are just like rich people who own wineries and vineyards. But you got to remember some of these people were industry leaders that were responsible for hundreds and thousands of jobs within California. And then they took the money that they made and they went up to Napa. So hopefully they were insured. Hopefully they still have enough money to redo. They, you know, we like to say that, you know, making a fortune in the wine business, you have to, you know, you start with a large fortune, you end up with a small fortune. It's kind of a way to spend money. So we hope that this isn't uh, this doesn't stop those wonderful iconic brands that you mentioned from stopping. Hopefully, it will allow them to build a better cellar with better drains, better technology, better ozone machines. The best thing you can say is everything you've learned up to now will help you rebuild smarter. It'll help you have more defensible space. It'll help you use materials that will be safer in a fire. One reason why Napa is so beautiful to visit is because it's completely surrounded by forests. It's gorgeous. But those are the forests that also can burn. In the Central Coast, we're a little more protected because we have these sort of chaparral hills that do burn, but they just don't burn with the same type of intensity as yeah, some of those pine uh, that forests. Is, that is very true. All right. Well, it's an awful, awful thing. And I know that everybody will come together and, and find ways to get everybody back up on their feet again. The, the wine industry, there's one thing I can say about this industry, and I've been in other industries. I've never seen an industry 
where the people support one another more than this industry. It's, I mean, even to the point of giving people grapes if their grapes were destroyed in the harvest so that they can make some wine. There's just an incredible amount of kindness, whether it's a big producer or a small producer. There's just a lot of camaraderie there. The people that depend on a salary from the wine business have decided to be in the wine business not for economic gain. We could be a stainless welder and make twice as much as being a winemaker. So being a winemaker is a lot like being a teacher. You do it because you're passionate about it. You do it because it's something that you think is authentic, that changes the world in little ways when people open a delicious bottle of wine that you grew or you made. It's a beautiful thing, right? So here we are in this moment where we have to just sort of ask ourselves, aren't we lucky to be in an industry where we're here because we want to be? And that's what I was always amazed to in Santa Barbara wine. If our filter broke down, our next door neighbor would be like, you want to use our filter? Our tractor got stuck. Well, my neighbor, the Melvilles came over and tried to pull our tractors out and got their tractor stuck. And we called <laughs> yeah. Babcock, who brought over his tractor, got the Melville tractor and then got our tractor out. So it's not only can you help a neighbor, but can you help a neighbor help a neighbor? And this is the way the world's supposed to work. And there's a little bit about this agricultural idea of being a farmer, squatting on your hands and talking across fences about about the year, the vintage, the bugs, the squirrels, all the different differences and difficulties. And being an agricultural community gives us kindness and a support and cementing together that we're all in this together so i want to say to all of our friends in napa sonoma anything that we can do for you guys down here in in santa barbara and and paso on the central coast please reach out because we're we're here to support you guys as well all right listen wes we're going to take a break and then for the second half of the show we're going to talk nothing but happy thoughts right and you're prepared to do that i'm getting a drink (laughs) that wasn't what i meant but anyway, no, but I'm just I'm just saying. saying. Well, I'm I'm drinking right now. I'm I'm drinking a citrus and green tea thing with no calories and no alcohol. You can't drink and drive an edit board. You can't do well, that. Fortunately, it's pretty easy to be a guest and do that. Yeah, it's true. Okay, well, we're oh, going well. to be back with Wes Hagen in just a second with more grape encounters, and then I've got just some fun stuff for you. We're just going to just have fun because. Everybody's so bummed out. It seems like everywhere I go, everybody's just kind of in a bad mood. <laughs> it's like we got to get over this, gang. We're gonna we're gonna get happy again, and, and we'll start here. So we can do that best with the help of my friend Wes, and that's what we will do. We like to talk about wine. We're back with more Grape Encounters. Hey, please do us an enormous favor and like us on Facebook. It's the very best way to learn about other opportunities that we may not share on the broadcast. Also, join our mailing list on GrapeEncounters.com. Listeners on our contact list receive some exclusive opportunities. Become an insider. Enough said. Here's your wine captain, David Wilson. 
And we're back with Grape Encounters Radio, and I think the guest that I have had on more than any other guest in the 12 years, and they get this 585 episodes of Grape Encounters that we have done. He is Wes Hagen, and we're actually recording a video of this, and I'm hoping to post this because he is the ultimate renaissance guy. I always say that because you are. You make everything. You make cheese. You roast your own coffee. You go out with a bow and arrow. You're just you should have been born in another era, Wes. And you're a great winemaker, of course. But how lucky was I to be born in the greatest time in history? I mean, we are living in the greatest time in history. And I really want to start uh, this positive side of this segment by saying humans have never lived longer. Um, generally, uh, we, we might be in a little bit of a blip because of COVID, but we're happier. Uh, you know, we're safer. Medical science, just in my life, the last 50 years, we've changed the average uh, age of the person on this. We've given 15 years of age just in the last 15 years. If you were born, you know, 50 years ago, you got a free 15 years on your lifespan just because of medical science. It's beautiful. And that is more time to drink more wine. And so the first thing that I want to challenge people to do that is incredibly fun is we are going to broaden your horizons because we get stuck in certain categories of wine or we just get married to certain varietals and we can't seem to break away. So what I was thinking, Wes, was maybe the reason that people don't try other things is because they feel like maybe it's too great a departure for them, that it's too large a leap and so they kind of stay put. But I've got some suggestions. If you drink this, then you can drink this. Okay? Wes, are you up for this? I'm ready for the quiz. Okay. I'm going to start with a wine that's not one of your wines, uh, Wes, but Cabernet Sauvignon. Okay? If you drink Cabernet Sauvignon, what else might you drink? Well, I would first start with uh, probably the most value-oriented wine in the world right now, which is Merlot. Still from that sideways hangover, Merlot is still yeah, on sale. Definitely. It's flush. It's, it's delicious. It's juicy. It's on sale. You know, the $80 Merlots are now 30 bucks. You can buy some of the greatest Merlots in the world. You can look at other uh, tannic varieties. You can look at Nebbiolo. You can look at Dolcetto from Italy. If you want to go uh, stay in France, you can look at Cabernet Franc. You can look at uh, you can look at uh, Chinon. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So slow down for Cab Franc because that's one that I definitely – I think if you're, I tell people this all the time. If you're drinking Cabernet Sauvignon, try Cab Franc because it's just wonderful these days. The Cab Franc that's being made right now is wonderful. There's not a lot of it out there, but then there's one that you didn't mention. I'm just going to throw it in there. Tempranillo. Tempranillo is fantastic. If you like a nice big tannic wine, uh, there's better and better Tempranillos coming out of California. Rick Longoria for one makes an amazing uh, Tempranillo out of the San Ynez Valley. Let's jump into the next category because I got several I want to do with you here. The next one is Zinfandel. Very popular wine. I'm not talking white Zin. I'm just talking about regular Zinfandel. If you like Zinfandel, well, suggestions? I would, any juicy red. So I'm looking at Barbera. Uh, I'm looking at, uh, at Dolcetto. I'm looking at uh, Grenache. I think Grenache is going to be the closest. And, 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 and Syrah. Let's not forget Syrah. Syrah is going to be more intense and more tannic. I would put the Syrah maybe on the more on the Cabernet side because the thing about Zinfandel, that's very tiny. Of fine tannin molecules, and as a result, it's a little more juicy and a little less tannin. So I'm thinking about other beautiful, juicy red right, wine brands. I'm going to go to I'm going to go to Southern Italy, and I'm going to suggest Negro Amaro and Nero d'Avola, which is also go. a nice, big, juicy grape. All right, we're going to move on to your fave, your specialty, what you do best. That is 
Pinot Noir, and I'm going to guess that in your mind there are no substitutes. Well, but I already go yeah. for it. Go for it. I I already said I already said uh, one, and that's Grenache, and I think Grenache is as close as you can probably get to a grapey, juicy, spicy quality of Pinot Noir without having to break the bank. How about Gamay? Perfect. That's a great one that I wouldn't. Yeah, Gamay or Gamay Beaujolais. Uh, Gamay, especially uh, Cru Beaujolais out of Morgon or Moulay au Vin of Fleury. These wonderful villages in real Beaujolais in France where a Gamay grape was first developed. Yeah. Very, very important. Okay, just to, just to clarify what we're doing here, if you just tuned in, we're giving you a really super fun exercise, which is going to really broaden your horizons. You're going to try some other wines that you have not tried before, because if you like the wine that we start with, you're going to like the suggestions that we make. They're wines that are similar. Next one, Chardonnay. Chardonnay, I got to say, Viognier, uh, White Rhones, Marsan, Marsan, yeah. yes. Grenache Blanc are going to give sort of a unctuous quality, just like a Chardonnay. Chardonnay is the best white wine for a red wine lover to love because it has grip, it has oak, it has complexity. And from that, I would say also there are styles of Sauvignon Blanc and Chenin Blanc made in a Chardonnay style, full oak, full mallow. I don't appreciate those styles as some, as some people, but Generally, if you buy a white wine today and just off the shelf, chances are it's and, been and structured and, and, to a field of a Chardonnay. Beer. And we forgot Chablis. Well, Chablis is Chardonnay. I know. That's why but, I yeah, say we but, forgot it. I mean, there's a reason why we forget it because in general, Chablis is a little too steely, a little too high in acid. Yeah. And you have to be a little more patient with it than most uh, Americans are willing to do. But okay. Next one. Next is one of the great wines. Okay. So I'm going to just kind of go next door to Chardonnay. This is a wine that you make a great one of these. And and we're talking Pinot Grigio. I make Pinot Blanc. Is oh, and Pinot, well, oh, cause, oh, oh, I thought you made Pinot Grigio. No, friends don't let friends drink Pinot Grigio. They I'm make sorry. Pinot Blanc. Okay. Uh, Pinot Blanc is what Pinot Grigio wants to be when it grows up and develops a soul. <laughs> okay. A soul. Um, no, Pinot Grigio, the problem with Pinot Grigio is exactly what happened in the 80s and 90s with Chardonnay. Overplanted in regions it doesn't belong. Okay, China. so what would be better for somebody to drink? Okay, take- Pinot Blanc, Riesling, yeah. Gewürztraminer, Chenin Blanc. A uh, Gruner Veltliner, Muscadet, German or German or Italian or French uh, right. aromatic white. All right, let's go to a, a white wine that I like better than Chardonnay and certainly better than Peter Pinot Grigio. And uh, frankly, the, the people who make this wine the best, in my opinion, aren't on the North American continent. And we're talking Sauvignon Blanc. Oh, Sauvignon Blanc again. I think we're going to back up uh, to uh, maybe Semillon. Uh, Semillon is a, yet another grape that's very similar to Sauvignon Blanc. How about, how about uh, Verdicchio? Verdicchio, absolutely. Uh, I mean, any nice, crisp, white Italian. I think Chenin Blanc in a non-malolactic style works really absolutely. well. Non-malolactic Chardonnay. Nice. I'm going to ask you a personal question. Ready? Because we're running out of time. No worries. In Sauvignon Blanc, is it... California Sauvignon Blanc, or is it New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc for you? I'm going to go with Happy Canyon of Santa Barbara Sauvignon Blanc specifically because it has a it has a crispness, a greenness, but it also has a completeness. Oh, you're a patriot. Happy. I think it might be the best place in the world to grow it's, Sauvignon Blanc. It is, it is very good. I I just I'm always surprised by the New Zealand Sauvignon Blancs. I just love them. They make and even the ones that are made in pretty high volume are pretty darn good. I, and, I, I won't argue. I think they're delicious, crisp and bright, and they taught me what a gooseberry tastes like. And you know what? They're completely. Believe me, they are completely different than the Sauvignon Blancs from here. And that being said, I love Sauvignon Blancs. From from California. I really do. And I love Sauvignon Blanc that comes from 
Bordeaux is really quite good. Um, the thing it, about New Zealand, they, they, they will call that a white Bordeaux, though, by the way. It's not going to be called Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, but if you get your hands on one of those, oh, they're so good. I've been told by folks who spend a good amount of time down in New Zealand, we don't even get the best Sauvignon Blancs out of New Zealand because they're drinking them there. They're drinking them in Australia. Oh, by the way, we left off a, a really important wine I hope you'll agree with me on this one, Wes, Albarino. Oh, Albarino is fantastic. And if you haven't had some of the Albarinos being made by Lindquist family and Verdad uh, in Santa Barbara County, they really are incredibly special. All right. We have one more segment with uh, Wes Hagen. And gosh, every time we get on the horn together, it just goes flying by. I wish that weren't the case, but sometimes we get together and we talk forever. So that's the good part. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters and more fun things that you can do in this not very fun time in human history. As summer turns to fall, leaves and wardrobes aren't the only thing that change color. This is the time of year when wine preferences tend to darken up. Cold, crisp whites are already making way for fall favorites like Pinot Noir and luscious California Zin. Tropically tinted New Zealand Sauvignon Blancs won't migrate south just yet, and rosés will also remain resilient well into turkey time. But folks like me who've enjoyed lighter fare in the backyard all summer will venture out and take a cab almost everywhere we go. Now there's no doubt about this fall phenomenon. It's a time when wine enthusiasts get more adventurous and try things outside of their comfort zone. And if your comfort zone could use a little reimagination, let the experts at Total Wine & More show you just how much adventure there is to discover among their inventory of 8,000 or more wines in every store. You can still enjoy their legendary customer experience in-store or make an evening of exploring the world of wine from the comfort of your cozy couch. Load up your shopping cart, stop by the store, and Total Wine will rush your order to curbside. Once you immerse yourself into an online Total Wine discovery mission, you'll quickly fall in love with the incomparable wines you can access so easily and affordably. See what I mean at TotalWine.com. If you're a frequent Grape Encounters radio listener, you know that our show is all about inclusiveness. For far too long, wine consumers have felt left out, simply because a small minority of, well, let's call them out, wine snobs have dominated the conversation. For 12 years, it's been my mission to give you, the wine enthusiasts that just want to have fun, a front row seat to everything that's cool about wine. And while we have a very intimate thing going on here, I've been thinking that we can take things where no radio or TV program has gone before. And so beginning next week, I'm inviting you and your friends to get together with me for a private online party. This isn't a big streaming free-for-all event. It's you, me, and your guests. You decide what you want to talk about, we'll set a time, then it's party time. So email me using the contact form at GrapeEncounters.com. Tell me a little bit about how we can make this fun for you, and I'll respond to as many requests as I can. Just drop me a note at GrapeEncounters.com. Even though I spend almost every waking hour trying to track down all things wine, Total Wine & More is impossible to keep up with. That's because they have a team of experts constantly searching every corner of the world for amazing wines priced so you can enjoy them on any occasion, like tomorrow. They're always busy forging relationships with the best producers so that they're able to provide exceptional wines that are exciting and new to you at incredible savings. And of course, your faves will be there too. 
new discoveries, must-have favorites, and more than 8,000 choices to explore online with your handy device while you soak up some shade. Visit Total Wine & More in person, or if you prefer a contactless experience, order online at TotalWine.com and pick up your order in the store or curbside. And for awesome summer wines, all under $20 and many under $10, be sure to check out their summer wines list at TotalWine.com. I am not lying when I tell you that the most fun I ever have in life these days is when Wes Hagen is involved. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I think that I could get in a lot of trouble if I spent too much time with Wes, uh, because he is a little Dickens, and he's on with me right now. Wes, before we get any further, I want you to plug your websites, but mostly I want you to plug what you're doing every Friday, because it's really super cool. Well, starting in March, I started a Friday, seven-day-a-week wine show called Day Drinking with Wes Hagen. And for six months, we've decided that the Day Drinking name was great. And then about six months after, we said, well... Either we're going to call this day drinking for longer, or we're going to have to change the name to Functional Alcoholism with Wes Hagen. So we decided to change the name, and uh, now it's called The Punchdown. And The Punchdown, every Friday at 5 o'clock Pacific time on Facebook, Jay Wilkes Wine Santa Barbara, always has a Zoom link, or you can check it right there out at uh, Facebook. And we do a one-hour interview with a with someone who has something really important to say about wine. Karen McNeil, Jim Clendenin, Bob Lindquist, Ken Brown, Elaine Chuck and Brown, Dr. Patrick McGovern. Uh, these are these are these are, re these are really big. Yeah, names. people that really really matter in wine. I just reached out to Randall Graham uh, and uh, a couple of other folks. I really want Neil deGrasse Tyson to come on because not only is he one of my scientific heroes, but he supposedly loves wine as well. You know what? Then, if, course, if you have him come on, I want to be there with you. He tells this great story of the evolution of dogs and why yeah. do, why there are so many different dogs and why they love us so much. And if you haven't seen that, it has nothing to do with wine other than the fact that you can't have a winery without having a wine dog. That's right. And that that's actually, I think, uh, episode four on Cosmos, the original season one of Cosmos. Oh, is, is that on, right? Which oh, is on Disney right now. i got to find that. Okay. Punch down, by the way, please explain for those who don't know industry terms what that means. It's not, you're not going to, you're not going to punch anybody. No, it punch down is when you basically get on top of an active red wine fermentation and push the skins into the, into the juice and the fermenting wine to mix the skins in the wine to get better extraction of flavor and color. It is the winemaking equivalent to bread making, kneading bread. To kneading, yes, it's absolutely. exactly what it is, yeah. And to finish the very end of that, uh, MillerFamilyWines.com, MillerFamilyWineCompany.com, JWilkes.com, and of course we make the Smashberry Wines, Barrel Burner, uh, Ballard Lane, and uh, the Jay Wilkes. And then on the other side of the business, we have the Nacido Estate and the Solomon Hills Estate Wines, which are high-end, very, very fancy, fancy wines that are the highest rated wines on average in Santa Barbara County over the last five years. I became inspired by the fact that I am very uninspired by all the new packaging that's out there for wine. One of the things that I have been doing is I've been getting wines that are in alternative packaging, whether it's a can, whether it's a bag in a box or, or in plastic, anything but glass, right? And 
I've been blind tasting these wines to see if I can tell the difference. Now, I think that in some cases I can, but this is a great twist on blind tasting that I want to see people doing at home. Basically boils down to this. You get a group of people together and you pour, you know, five wines uh, or you could pour 12 wines, but they all got to come from different mediums. And you can, of course, include wine that's in a bottle and then have them rate the wines and see just what happens. And then that way, I think that we will get over our packaging phobia because actually some of the alternative packaging is really clean and good. What say US? Do you love that? Quick story in one minute or less. At the LA International Wine Competition, we did a seminar for the general public. Parties in Australia got us 750, uh, 1.5 liter glass under cork then a 1.5 under fake cork, a plastic cork, and then another 750 under screw cap. And then we had the same wine in a bag in a box. Four different wine judges tasted the wine blind. uh, And then when we gave the results, it turned out that every single one of the judges voted the best wine of the bunch. And the criteria was fresh, fermentative, fruity character. Can I guess? Can I guess? Yep. Bag in the box. Bag and box, 100%. All four judges said, by far, that was the cleanest, freshest, best wine for those who want to be drinking wines under, say, $7.50 a bottle or $5 a bottle. By far, bag and box is the way to go. Plus, it'll stay in your refrigerator or on your counter for like 20 or 30 days without any yeah. noticeable oxidation. Some very premium wines are now winding up in boxes, and you're getting a lot more wine for your money And if it is a box that's sitting on the shelf, it's bag and box, probably. And you are not going to throw that wine away. No. Uh, No. If you drank, you know, a nice big bag and box and you drank half a glass every other day, you would still have wine of this almost the exact same quality at the end of 30 to 40 days that you would on day one. Yeah. A typical bag and box will hold, what is it, like about four bottles of wine, right? Right. Yeah. Roughly. So that would be that would be about three liters. That sounds about right. Yeah. But the price per ounce is going to be way cheaper than it would be in the bottle. And it's really important to know that restaurants, when they have a buy the glass program, they're buying a lot of really fine wine now in big containers that have this bag in them and that's why they're able to bring the price down or they're able to make more money. One of the two, right? Or, yeah, or a combination wine. of both. Yeah. Some kegs, some kegs are standard kegs like you would put beer in and some kegs do have those plastic liners within them. And I, what I like about the plastic liner is when you begin sucking the wine out, there's no headspace. It basically constrains the bag until the bag has nothing in it. There's no gas in the bag, which really means a lot. What the the main thing is, is you don't want light, you don't want heat, and you don't want oxygen. Those are the enemies of wine. Wes, I wish you were more enthusiastic. Nah. Talk to me some, you know, wine, disc golf. I had a great great round of golf yesterday, too, so I'm just in a happy, happy place. That is great. Okay, well, I thank you so much for being on, and as always, and hopefully this mess that we're all dealing with is going to end really super soon, and we can get back to smiling again. I wouldn't know if people were smiling anyway. They're all wearing masks around me. That's why you learn to smile. You learn to smile with your eyes. All right, we're going to be back uh, next week at the same time, and again, uh, check out what Wes is doing at on his website. Website, which is millerfamilywines.com, jwilkes.com, uh, millerfamilywinecompany.com. Or just go on Facebook and you can search for Wes Hagen and uh, get involved in his life and he'll get involved in yours. We'll be back here next week. Thanks for joining us this week.
This edition of Grape Encounters has been brought to you by Total Wine and More. When Total Wine and More challenged themselves to keep more than 8,000 wines on hand, they pioneered a consumer experience that 99.999% of the population would have thought was impossible. It was an undertaking that I still can't totally get my arms around today. But I've spent many hours of my personal time being that adult kid in a candy store, using my mouse to learn about their extremely affordable top 20 wines of the year, or learning eye-opening details about the iconic winemakers behind Total Wine's Legends of Wine collection. TotalWine.com is an online resource so rich with content, it's hard to imagine a more satisfying wine-related experience. Spend all the time you want at TotalWine.com or at your nearest store. Just make sure you're back here with me at this same time next week for another Grape Encounter. Thank you.